Welcome, everybody, to Dropping Keys, conversations and insights about life, leadership, love, and whatever else we get into. I'm Joel Morgan, your co-conspirator, and I'm the head of Key Exploration. I seek to inspire meaningful conversations to move people, communities, and organizations forward. What you've just opened up is a special volume, the first of its kind. All of these conversations are personal, but this one is somehow more so. If you follow Dropping Keys, and thank you so much if you do, keep listening and please keep sharing. And you know there's been a gap between episodes, which I'm closing with this episode and what follows in 2022. I'm looking forward to the co-conspirator conversations and the keys being dropped. Looking forward to the reflections in the A volumes that I'll record as in this year. If you have suggestions for those who ought to join me, please send them my way. I would greatly appreciate it. Always looking for awesome people to connect with. This special volume is titled 16 Months and Counting. But first, a reminder of the foundation for this podcast. Dropping Keys is the title of a poem by Hafez, a 14th century mystic and poet. And it goes like this. The small man builds cages for everyone he knows. While the sage, who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners. 16 months and counting. If you're listening to this in January of 2022, it has been 16 months since I quit drinking alcohol. In this podcast, I'm going to share a story about how golf and a chance pairing led me to stop and how easy and unexpectedly difficult it has been. Then I'll probably try to drop at least one key. So here's a little background on me and drinking. I grew up in a rural area. People drank. We had beers when we did brandings and we got together for social functions. So more than likely, my first drink was somewhere around middle school. I probably grabbed a beer out of a, a, a cattle tank that was cold, you know, holding all the drinks and, and snuck off behind a truck and drank it with my friends. In early high school, I hid beers outside of the school grounds because I drove to school and my buddies and I would sometimes uh, drink a few beers before we went into school in the morning. Now I quit doing that. And for the last couple of years of high school was a teetotaler and did not drink. And then for some of you who know my story, I got, I got married right out of high school and, and got divorced. And it was after my divorce that, you know, I probably started drinking again, really in earnest. When I was 21, there was a classic photo that was taken. It was right as my grandfather died and I got a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. And I think I've got a beer in one hand and, a ber and I'm wearing a beret. It's, it's just this classic photo. And as I look at it now, I realize that I was already beginning to medicate with alcohol. Well, when I got my first real job out of college, I hated it. And I didn't realize I hated it. And so every Friday on the way home, I would pick up at least a six pack, maybe a 12 pack. And, you know, by the time early evening was in, I was feeling great. And then later, of course, if you know my story, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and the meds that I took increased my tolerance for alcohol 
I probably wasn't supposed to be drinking while I was taking the meds for 15 years, but you know, it hardly affected me or didn't seem to. I mean, I never really thought it was a problem. I mean, sometimes I would consider not drinking for a while just to clear the decks and I would, but I usually came back with a vengeance. And sometimes when I drank, I couldn't remember parts of the night. My spouse of 30 years will also tell me that when I drank at times, I became a real jerk, an asshole. I was not a nice person. Of course, I was pretty oblivious to all of that for a long time. Just a few years ago at a golf tournament, I drove home from over 45 minutes away through two tolls and several highway changes. And the next day, I didn't remember a thing. At that point, I was like, Ooh. And I made a pact with my family that if I had two drinks or more, I was calling them or calling an Uber. I mean, as I look back today, I can clearly see that I was basically a daily drinker from 2015 on. I mean, maybe not a lot every day, but many days enough to get buzzed at least, and some really drunk. Fast forward to 2020. COVID hits in the first 45 days, I order three 15-case bottles of wine. You do the math. I mean, it's five o'clock somewhere, right? Well, here's where things get interesting. I'm a golfer. I play golf. Well, maybe that's not quite right. Since 2018, golf has been an absolute lifeline, almost like medicine to me. I mean, grass underfoot, the sky above, me and my playing partners, or not, and nothing in my mind but chasing a little white ball into a hole in the ground. I mean, for some, it's a silly game. For me, it's about being outside and competing and just enjoying life in a very different way. As part of my obsession, I subscribe to the Golfer's Journal. It's the best writing and photography in the game. And it's not just a quarterly. They've created the Broken Tea Society, a community of like-minded people who love the game of golf. And so the journal hosts events around the country each year. In 2020, their centerpiece event, the Broken Tea Two-Man, was being held a couple of hours away. So I put my name in as a single and got selected to play. This meant as a single that I was at the mercy of the journal staff to pair me with someone. When the day arrived, I'm fine that I'm paired with a guy named Tom Coyne. Now I only knew Tom as one of the writers of the golfer's journal. I appreciated his style, but knew very little about him. As it goes in golf, often we introduced ourselves to each other and we played our round and had a great time. Tom kept score and I paid no attention to how we were doing. I simply enjoyed his company and the beautiful opportunity to play a game that I love. Well, long story short, Tom and I were in a five-hole playoff to win. And thanks to Tom's great play, we did. We won the tournament. I've never really won anything, especially nothing like that. So it was fantastic. And also, when you're a winner, you don't buy many drinks, but you have many. And so at the end of the night, some new friends, Patrick and Amanda, drove me back to my hotel. When I woke up, I had no idea how I had gotten there. I'm so grateful to them for what they did for me, and they've become dear friends of mine. After the tournament, I was curious about who Tom Coyne was and more, or, or more, why everyone seemed to want to talk to him all the time. Well, I found out that he's a best-selling author whose first book was turned into a screenplay and a motion picture. I dug in on his writing immediately. Caveat, 
Tom, if you're listening to this, I haven't read A Gentleman's Game, which was his first. I started out with Paper Tiger, a book about where he spent over 500 days trying to make it on the PGA Tour. Next, I read a course called Ireland, which is the story of Tom walking all of the Lynx courses in Ireland and walking to each one of those courses. His shoes are a significant character in the book. It's awesome. Then his next book is a course called Scotland. This time he doesn't walk to the courses, but searches for the secret of golf in its homeland. It's in this book where while he's telling the story about playing at a place called Ashkernish and Ashkernishing, you can look up a poem by Billy Collins that has Ashkernishing in it, and you should. Tom reveals that he had nearly died from alcoholism three years earlier. As I read what he wrote about how stopping drinking saved his life and his deep gratitude for life now, I sense something shift in me. Yeah, I got sober because of a golf book. I cannot thank Tom enough for his courage in writing and for the support that he has given me these past 16 months. On September 12, 2020, I made the decision to quit alcohol. I stopped. I didn't go to meetings. Every day, I just vowed to myself I wouldn't drink. And I haven't for 16 months and counting. What I found is that for me, once I decided not to drink, the not drinking was relatively easy. It's just all of the shit that not drinking revealed or uncovered that was the most difficult. People talk about recovery. I want to talk about uncovery, meaning when you quit a drug, it exposes and uncovers stuff you didn't even know was there. For much of the time after I quit drinking, I didn't feel anything at all. My emotions were numb. I didn't feel much, and then I just felt bad. My inner critic was on fire. My ego was pissed. I had so many fights internally with myself about how horrible of a human I was being and I was. And my ego tried to convince me that I would never, ever feel any different. I mean, I wondered if I would ever feel decent again. I doubled down on meditation. I've been a meditator off and on for 30 years, but I really doubled down and made it a, a key practice every single day. I learned how to better identify thoughts and feelings and not let the stories around those thoughts and feelings carry me away because they often carried me to very dark and very hurtful places. I also found that I didn't want to be around people like I had before. Being social was different. What's interesting is that a lot of drinkers worry that, that people will care if they drink or not. I mean, maybe it's a credit to the people that I'm around or whatever, but no one seemed to care if I didn't drink or not. I did find that I initially, I wanted to be moving all the time. I had a very hard time sitting still. And so meditation was definitely a challenge. It was after the first 12 months that I began to stop feeling numb emotionally. Some folks call this thawing out, that emotions have been frozen. I'm not sure that I would call it that, but definitely I began to 
understand myself differently. I began to feel things much differently. For instance, I thought I drank to better connect with others. What I've actually discovered about myself is that I am actually a person who loves to deeply connect with people and probably more deeply than they even realize, even in small encounters. And when they don't return that connection, I hurt. And so I drank to keep that connection behind basically a sheet of glass. This thawing of my emotions was scary at times. And to this day, I often feel raw, exposed. I began to voice my true feelings and desires more often. And sometimes it felt mean or, or selfish because those feelings and those desires were different than before. The people who were closest to me were hearing things and discovering things about me, perhaps, that maybe they didn't know or maybe they intuited, but now they were coming to the surface. Recently, I wrote this to some friends. So yesterday was 16 months, no alcohol. It's an entirely different world for me now. My inner landscape is unrecognizable from the old one. My therapist has been asking for over a year, what does your heart need or want to express? And every time I've said, I cannot feel my heart. Yesterday, I told her my heart was full, gratitude, love, wonder, and that my heart was hungry, hungry to express what's next for me. I don't know if I've ever been as clear as I am now. I have some fear about the changes I know I need to make in my life. But love and the underlying yes, yes to me, yes to trust, yes to life, that I feel is going to allow me to move and change even while I'm afraid. 2022 is definitely a year of transition for me. To what? Remains to be seen. But I'm finally ready. It was powerful for me to share that with my friends. I've probably not ever been as raw and open with them as I had been in that message that I sent to them. My friend and Dropping Keys co-conspirator, Bally Haggard, when I talked to her about this, she called me an ambitious soul, a person who is healing generational trauma by healing themselves. Well, I don't know about all that, but I know that you will be different when you engage in a change like this. It will be scary. You will be afraid. Your inner voices will tell you it's not worth it or that the numbness will never end. In the beginning, it will be the hardest thing you've ever done. And here's what I have to say about 16 months and counting. On average, each of us has about 4,000 weeks to live. So the key that Valley dropped in volume zero of this podcast stands. Do whatever you have to do to learn to love yourself. Do whatever you have to do to learn to love yourself. If you consider drinking, quitting drinking or using drugs or other life changes, I just want to let you know that I'm here to support you in your journey. Reach out to me. I'll be there. And so now I continue on this path. 16 months and counting. Thank you for listening to this special volume of Dropping Keys. 
you can find me at joelmorgan.com or at joelmorgancc on Facebook and Instagram. You can find my book every single day on my website or on Amazon. Please drop me a note if this podcast connected with you. Please share it with friends. Please give it a rating. And now, always, may the sage drop the key to unlock the cage in which you find yourself. Until next time.